Hello and welcome to Magic Time by Monorail News. With us again this week is the friend of the show, Jim Corcus. He's a prolific Disney historian. You may know his many books, The Vault of Walt, uh, Who's Afraid of Song of the South, among others. Well, now he has a new book, Disney Neverlands, Things Disney Never Made. It's all about those lands that you hear about that never get built. Like, you know, the Africa Pavilion in Epcot, or Mineral King Ski Resort, or Westcott, right? All of those cool things. He gives you the whole, the whole package, the, the information, everything you, you could ever want to know about those lands is all in this book. It's really cool. You can get it for Kindle or paperback from Amazon. Jim, how are you doing today? I, I'm I'm doing great. It's always uh, nice to uh, ride the monorail and uh, get off at Monorail News to to talk with all of your uh, uh, listeners because I know they're always excited about uh, uh, Disney information and and Disney history and and thanks for publish uh, uh, promoting my new book Disney Neverland, which yes co- it covers those things like uh, Westcott and. Uh, Mineral King and all of those, but it also covers things like uh, uh, TV shows that were never made, including Jim Henson's uh, The Little Mermaid Island, which was one of the last projects Jim Henson worked on before he passed away, where it was going to be a live-action half-hour show on the Disney Channel each week, like Dumbo Circus, where you'd have a live aerial but all of the other characters would have been uh, uh, Dis- uh, Jim Henson uh, uh, puppets for for Scuttle and Flounder and and all of the those others and and I also list animated films that uh, were never made and and also individual lands in parks like uh, the the Beastly Kingdom. So uh, I've always been fascinated by things that were announced and never made. And also in the book, Discovery I explain Bay. why those things never got made. Really? That's yes. awesome. Because, again, you know, I, I, I got a little frustrated that I would sometimes read these things and it'd be a, a little short paragraph, but there would be no explanation of, my gosh, this sounds amazing. Why didn't this get uh, made? And, and so one of the chapters actually... Um, uh, I, I talked with the Imagineer Eddie Soto, who is going to transform Tom Sawyer's Island into Jean Lafitte's Island, a pirate. And he was going to do that in such a way so it would tie in with Pirates of the Caribbean and with the Haunted Mansion. Uh, for instance, over by the Haunted Mansion, there was going to be a mausoleum that would have the crypt of uh, Jean Lafitte. But what happened is grave robbers had broken into it. And so as you go in, you then go under a tunnel underneath the rivers of America to pop up on Tom Sawyer's Island, which is now all themed for pirates and all that. And, and, and Some again, ideas just never also, die. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and again, yes, so ideas get, get picked and they get used uh, uh, elsewhere or they get uh, transformed and uh, just like an animated uh, uh, film, lots of different little uh, hands and fingers uh, get involved with it uh, over a, 
a, a period of time. And, and sometimes it's just a case of the technology that you need for, for something just doesn't exist or you can't find a sponsor to help offset the costs or, uh, you know, there's several reasons why things, you know, uh, just don't work out. But uh, again, as I said, always fascinated. And again, I hope the book um, uh, sells well so that I can write a sequel because I have even more stories than what I put into the book, you know, including that whole uh, Dick Tracy land that was going to be over at uh, Disney's uh, Hollywood Studios uh, with a a, a roaring 20s uh, car ride based on the same technology that they use for the uh, uh, Indiana Jones uh, uh, vehicle out there in uh, Disneyland, and and you would have machine guns, so you'd be shooting at at, at things from the car. Wow! So uh, there's there's all sorts of again for every thing that Disney built, there are hundreds of other things that never got built. And, and got put into a file folder some way, somewhere. And, and, and thank heavens that over the decades I've, I've talked with uh, uh, Imagineers and with uh, animators. And uh, uh, fortunately, they saved you know, some of this material just for their own uh, personal memories and enjoyment. So, yes, Disney Never Land, things that Disney never built, uh, at Amazon.com and also at ThemeParkPress.com. But... That's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're actually going to be talking about history that actually happened, aren't we? Yes, and one more note about your book. Everyone go out and buy it because I want to read a sequel. <laughs> but yes. I, I want to write that. Actually, I've already started writing uh, uh, that sequel. So uh, a, a chapter on the Epcot the Space Pavilion that, that never got built, which was going to be a huge uh, uh, floating uh, space station. You know, with Tim Delaney and I spoke about that um, a number of months ago. Yes. I saw some concept art, and I'm like, I need to get in touch with Tim. But um, <laughs> <laughs> No, you, know, you, you, you should. You know, there, there's just uh, so many things uh, out there. And, and, all, and again, when I talked with Eddie Soto, he, he said, Jim, Jim, you, you have to keep in mind that, you know, these concepts always sound exciting because you never have to worry about, you know, uh, budget cuts or compromises. Right, or, right, of course. So, so they all just sound magnificent. And he says there's always more ideas than there is space to put them or money to pay for them. But, and but then for the space me, pavilion, it, it, we're going to really shoot you off into space. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. You're going to orbit yeah. around the Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my gosh, you know, it, it's like, well, of course you should, you should do that. But, but again, you know, we tend to forget that Disney uh, is a business. And, and so they have to uh, uh, make determinations based on, uh, is this going to drive, you know, more attendance? You know, uh, how, how uh, expensive is it going to be to maintain uh, this, you know? I, I, I think, you know, things like uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will uh, really drive some more attendance to the park. So the investment in that uh, makes sense. But, 
again, you, you never know. You, you know, it takes years and years to, to develop these things, to build it. And it, it really is just a, a, a gamble. You know, are, are people going to be uh, interested? Are people going to be interested in seeing a uh, another version of Lion King that is done with uh, photorealistic uh, computer-generated imagery. Right. Uh, apparently, according to the box office, audiences are. I, I, I wouldn't have taken that gamble. I would have said, "My gosh, the animated film is great as it is. Why, why, why would you want to do that? Dumbo is great as it is. Why would you want to have uh, Tim Burton make you know a live-action uh, version of that? Well, yeah. we want to have Tim Burton make that because Alice in Wonderland made a fortune. <laughs> now, as interesting as what we've been talking about is, I think what we're going to be talking about today might be even more interesting. Oh, I, it, 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 it certainly is uh, uh, to me, and, and I think it's certainly uh, appropriate for us to talk about this topic today. Yes, um, because we are fast approaching on VJ Day, which is mm -hmm. Victory in Japan Day. So, now, if you're wondering what victory in Japan, well, we're, uh, we're not talking about the opening of Tokyo Disneyland. We're talking <laughs> about the ending of World, World War, War II. Two. <laughs> and, 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 and it really does seem like ancient history to, uh, to some people right now, but, for, but uh, we do still have people uh, alive today who were alive during... Uh, uh, World War Two, and um, you know the the ironic thing, of course, is that Walt was too young uh, to serve in World War One, and then he was too old to serve in World War Two. But he did everything he could uh, to you know uh, contribute uh, uh, both uh, on the home front and uh, uh, to the military. Uh, to, to give everything you know that that he could, you know, in in World War One, um, you know, he was not in the military. So one of the urban myths that are out there, of course, is that Walt was dishonorably discharged, you know, uh, from the army. Well, he couldn't have been dishonorably discharged because, because you can't be dishonorably discharged from the Red Cross. Yes. Uh, so what he was, was he was a underaged volunteer because the Red Cross uh, would would take uh, uh, volunteers as young as 17. And so after, uh, just as the war ended, Walt was sent over to uh, France and he was a driver for the Red Cross. So he, he drove ambulances, he drove... Uh, uh, supply trucks. Uh, he was also a um, uh, a chauffeur uh, for VIPs like uh, uh, General Pershing's uh, uh, son, and and Walt actually got a great reputation as a uh, um, a, a tour guide uh, uh, for that. And and so uh, Walt spent eleven months over there in in France, and he did meet you know an awful lot of soldiers and. Uh, he also did an, an awful lot of artwork. He did cartoons for them. He would he would paint uh, uh, cartoons of a do uh, doughboy on the on the sides of uh, uh, trucks. And and he had a friend who was very enterprising. So the friend would grab hold of um, these helmets, and Walt would uh, paint them 
in a camouflage style so that they look like um, a sniper helmet. And then his friend would shoot a bullet hole into the helmet and then glue a little bit of uh, hair and blood around the hole. And uh, he and Walt would then go to the trains, which were taking soldiers, you know, back to the ships to, to go back to the U.S. And they would sell these as souvenirs. And so Walt made hundreds of dollars and he sent it back to his mother and said, please hang on to this because who could ever make a living selling souvenirs? Now, now I'll this tell you a once in a lifetime thing. The general Pershing story is funny because that's two stories, right? At first, it's mm-hmm. I drove around General Pershing's son. And then mm-hmm. later, it's I was driven around by Walt Disney. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 it's interesting how things uh, uh, flip, isn't it? And, and, and Walt was very proud of the, uh, his son. His parents did not want him. Uh, to sign up and, and go overseas. You know, Walt had tried um, uh, to sign up. In, in fact, he even uh, uh, took his uh, 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 passport and, um, you know, it listed that he was born in 1901, which made him too young. And so what he did with a pen is he changed the one into a zero. So it now looked like he was born in 1900. So he was just old enough to go. And, and in fact, they have that over at uh, the Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. And so if you look at it closely, you, you can tell that it is one of the worst forgeries in the world, changing that, that one to a, a zero. But, but ah, um, the days before digital records when you could forge yes. things like that. And, uh, but, but again, Walt did not want to be considered a, a, a slacker. In, in high school, he drew uh, uh, propaganda cartoons of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Kaiser, uh, the German Kaiser getting beaten and that, you know, you shouldn't be a slacker. You should go out and, uh, he, he would do cartoons about, you know, you shouldn't eat so much so that we can send more food over, you know, to uh, the boys overseas. And, and he was very proud of his, um, uh, his older brother, Roy who joined the Navy, and uh, Roy was actually on a uh, uh, munition ship that would go back and forth between the United States and, and Europe. So at any moment, that ship could have been blown up. And in fact, Roy, uh, apparently looking over the side, saw other ships being blown up. And uh, interestingly enough, although I guess this is true of an awful lot of veterans, Roy never wanted to speak about that experience, never even to his son. I, I talked with his son, Roy E. Disney, and he said, nope, Dad never wanted to talk about that. I asked him about it several times, and, you know, it, it was just something that happened uh, in, in the past. But, but Walt was very patriotic. You know, a, a very famous quote from Walt said, you know, uh, if you look closely in my eyes, you'll see two American flags waving, and there's a red and white and blue stripe, you know, going right up my back. So um, when World War II came, uh, as I said, he, he was too old to um, uh, sign up, but uh, he, again, tried to do everything he could 
to support it. And, and you were talking about uh, VJ Day. Um, you know, uh, w- w- the attack on Pearl Harbor, of course, is, is what was the straw that broke the camel's back that got the United States uh, into uh, the conflict. And, of course, that happened on December 7th. Uh, 1941, a day that will live in infamy. And on December 8th, the very next day, suddenly, (laughs) hundreds of troops showed up at the Disney studio. And uh, (laughs) along with trucks and and all of this, and the poor guard at the gate said, uh, because this is a Sunday, he said, well, I'm going to have to call Walt Disney. And the guy says, well, you can call anybody you want, but we're coming in. Uh, because uh, the Disney studio was just a couple of miles away from uh, Lockheed. Uh, and so they wanted to protect, you know, the aircraft factory. They also was a real fear that the Pacific Coast, you know, might be open to attack, you know, from from the Japanese. Right. And so uh, actually aircraft... Uh, Anti-aircraft guns were installed, you know, along the shore and all that. And so one of the reasons they wanted the Disney studio is because you had the sound stages so you could work in them during a blackout. And so they worked on military vehicles. They worked on the optical sites for the anti-aircraft. And and so you had soldiers coming in and, and they were bringing in their sleeping bags. They set up their own uh, commissary. There was, you know, uh, tons of ammunition stored in the um, uh, Disney Studio um, uh, parking lot, you know. And uh, now to make matters even, actually, there were three million rounds of ammunition stored in the parking lot there. The uh, and to make lot. matters worse, Walt's um, uh, animators, the, the personnel who worked at the studio, were very uh, patriotic. So, you know, they all went and immediately tried to join, you know, tried to join the service. So uh, uh, within the first uh, uh, couple of months, uh, a third of Walt's studio had either been drafted or had joined, uh, you know, uh, the different branches of the uh, uh, military uh, uh, service, you know, Um, which, of course, led to a very uh, funny story. One of... uh, uh, Walt's uh, animators, uh, Dick Kelsey, uh, uh, got assigned to a division, and he actually made this three-dimensional model uh, of an island that was going to be, you know, uh, in- invaded. And the uh, general came in to look at it and was very impressed at, at, at the detail, at the accuracy, and he asked what uh, uh, Kelsey had been in, in uh, you know, in his previous uh, career, expecting him to say, you know, uh, architect or or uh, uh, physicist or something like that, and he said, "I worked at Disney, sir." And <laughs> the general just went quiet and, and forgot all about that. Uh, but um, fortunately, at six p.m. on December eighth, uh, Walt got a uh, phone call uh, that changed everything. He, he got called from uh, the Navy that uh, wanted him uh, to make um, uh, some uh, training films, basically films that you could um, identify uh, aircraft. These were known as uh, 
the W-E-F-T films. Okay. Because, and that stood for wings, engine, fuselage, tail. So when you saw that, the silhouette of any of those, you knew, you know. Right, that, what you were looking at. Yeah, is, is, is that a, an American? Is that an ally? Or is this, hey, that's an, an enemy thing. We need uh, uh, to do that. And, and you know, uh, at the Disney studio, it, it would cost uh, hundreds of dollars. Uh, right. to make a foot of, of film, you know, because you're talking not just about the material, but uh, the salaries for the people involved and the lab processing and, and all of that, you know, hundreds of dollars per foot. Well, the Navy <laughs> said, we will give you $4.50 per foot. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and Walt, Walt accepted it. Uh, Walt accepted it. And uh, Walt made a commitment that he was going to make these um, uh, uh, training films and he would do it at cost, which meant uh, it would only be the actual cost of the material of the, the film and, and the lab work. There, w- there was no um, overhead, you know, in, in right, terms right. Of, of salary, the, the lights being on, equipment being used. And, and the camera at the Disney studio was being used because there were so many training films being made where it was being used 24, well, actually only 20 hours a day, six days a week, because the other four hours had to be used for um, maintenance on the camera because it was being overworked, you right. know, so much. And so when Disney came out, the Disney Studios came out of the war, the, and you've got VJ Day and all that. The Disney Studios was about two million dollars in debt, and two million dollars really meant something in 1945. For crying out loud, you, you, you can multiply that by uh, ten or twenty at least to, to try and get it up to what uh, a modern cost would be, and and that was because Walt was doing. All of these things, you know, and, and, and again, you know, it wasn't just because he was uh, patriotic. It, it was a good business decision because it gave his animators work to do. Right. Uh, you know, it kept the name Disney out there. And also on these training films, because they were using limited animation, they couldn't do the 24 drawings per second of film. Right because they were using the limited animation, Walt was hoping that he could do some experimentation and some things so that after the war, he could use these same techniques for educational films, uh, for, for schools, for right. businesses. And, and he did, you know, uh, Johnson and Johnson and, uh, uh, GM and, and, and several others, they did educational films after the war, but, a lot of that was techniques that they uh, learned uh, doing uh, this stuff. But, but all of this stuff was, was just highly uh, classified. You know, the, the studio uh, was given a confidential clearance and a top-secret uh, rating. You know, they, they had um, uh, soldiers who armed, armed guards, armed soldiers, uh, who were there and who were living at the Disney studio in these rooms where animators used to be. And there was a, uh, a, a, a huge uh, searchlight on, on top of the animation building and there were special badges and, 
and, and things like this. And uh, uh, what makes this really interesting is the draft board, uh, you know, contacted Walt and, and said, you're asking for deferments, you know, for, for these uh, uh, people. And they, they just draw, you know, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, you know, they, we can't defer them for that. You know, we need men. And Walt said, come down and visit my studio. So the draft board came in and they, they found themselves searched and, and not allowed in certain sections of, <laughs> of the studio because it was all top secret, you know, and, and they were constantly being, you know, uh, by the military personnel there, they were constantly being grilled and, and things like that. And uh, so basically they told Walt, anybody you want deferred, we, we will do that. And, and Walt was asking for those deferments because uh, not just to, to save people from going into the, the service, because Walt did support that, but, but there, there was a, a, a cost and time of training, you know, if, if he had to replace people right. who he was losing. And, and he'd already lost uh, over a third of his staff, you know, and, and the Disney studio was just not that big. You know, so, so you're left with maybe 200 people working there, maybe less, and that's 200 people in every position, you know? Right. Uh, uh, janitors, all sorts of things here, you know? So um, I, I, there was even a lieutenant who uh, 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 took up residence in Walt's office, which irritated <laughs> Walt tremendously. And, and then to make matters worse, Lockheed increased uh, its personnel, you know, to keep up with, with making the airplanes and all of this. And so some of that staff came and, and had to be housed over there uh, at, uh, at Disney. And while this was going on, all of these films were being made. Right. You know, before the war, uh, the Disney studio at its peak would turn out maybe about 37,000 feet uh, of film. The very first year they were doing um, the training films and all that, they were turning out over 200,000 feet of wow. film per year. You know, uh, this was just insane. You know, uh, 94% of the work the Disney studio was doing was uh, for the military, for, for the Navy, for, right. for the Army, for the, for the Signal Corps, uh, all of this. And, and then that other, you know, little 6% of uh, uh, entertainment films were uh, uh, films that uh, still, you know, um, had military uh, 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 themes, you know, uh, to help with morale. So, so you get films like, uh, Donald gets drafted, which which is where I enjoy that. You actually one. see Donald's draft notice that lists Donald Fauntleroy Duck. His middle so that name. Is the only time we knew what his middle name was, and Fauntleroy w was picked because that that was uh, a, sort of a little uh, 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 wimpy name because uh, one of the popular uh, uh, books and films were uh, Little Lord uh, Fauntleroy who who is very uh, uh, prissy and, and precious and sure. uh, uh, all of that. So, so there, there were films like uh, that or uh, The Vanishing Private where 
where uh, uh, Donald is, is uh, at an army camp and he finds a, a can of uh, invisible paint to use as camouflage paint and it accidentally spills on him. So, you know, he, he causes trouble for Pete because Pete can't see him because he's invisible. Right. Um, so those were happening. And, and of course, one of my favorite films and a, and a film that won um, the Academy Award for Best Cartoon of 1942, but it was Disney never showed it again for decades. The Fuhrer's face. Donald is a Nazi. Right. Do- Donald dreams that uh, he's actually working at a uh, Nazi uh, uh, mu- munitions factory. And and the original uh, name for the cartoon was uh, Donald Duck in uh, Nazi Land. You know, so you have Nazi, right, which right. is a parody of Nazi. But also, Nazi was a, a 1940s expression for... Um, uh, being crazy, right, you know, right, right. There, there was a character, Nutsy Squirrel, from another studio, and all that. And and then, of course, at the end, uh, uh, he wakes up and uh, you know is just so thankful to be in his own bed. And and nearby, he sees um, you know his statue of um, uh, the Statue of Liberty, his little model statue uh, of that. And and, and of course. The song itself uh, was so popular. It, it, it was as popular as Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. And there was a, a record made by uh, uh, Spike Jones and his city uh, slickers. And the record was so popular and the sheet music was so popular that they had to put a moratorium on it uh, for a couple of months in order to press more (laughs) records and print up more song sheets because so many people wanted, you know, uh, a a copy of uh, the Fuhrer's face. But but again, since, since it's uh, wartime propaganda uh, after the war, um, uh, Disney, uh, you know, uh, it didn't release it. You know, they, they felt that, uh, uh, some of that is, uh, inappropriate, right. even though the Disney cartoons never went as extreme as the other studios. Right. So no. you have Popeye, you have Popeye in cartoons like you're a sap, Mr. Jap, a Jap, you know, or, or you have right. Daffy duck in the ductators and, and they, they have these very, very, uh, extreme caricatures. Right. Of, uh, the Japanese emperor and Hitler and Mussolini and, you know, and all of that. And you know, my Walt favorite. In, yeah. My favorite. Well, Walt, interestingly enough, said, look, we're not at war with the Germans. We're at war with the Nazis. The Nazis are a political system and they have given false information to the Germans. And so, so that's how uh, uh, Walt saw things, you know, as they were churning all of this stuff out, but, but, but it was driving Walt insane because, you know, all these military advisors were coming in and they wanted to put their fingerprints on, on, on everything. Well, the gun should actually be held this way. And, you know, we, we don't like the, the fact that you have a joke here, you know? Right. But, right. But Walt kept, yeah. But Walt kept pushing on that. And then later, 
the U.S. Army did a survey, and they found that um, there were two important things of why the Disney films were more successful in training. Uh, first off, it was in animation. And so animation doesn't date. You know, when you use live action, oftentimes you'll look and you'll start to look at people's hairstyles right. or their clothing or things like that. Animation just has a timelessness uh, about it and, and can also show things that you can't show in live action, like a, uh, a, a rivet going through metal. So you, so you can see exactly what the rivet would look like, you know, as it went through uh, the metal and all that. And the second thing was, was the use of humor. Because they found that when people laughed, um, their blood pressure lowered, their blood sugar lowered, so they were more receptive uh, to getting information. You know, I, I know that uh, as a fact, both as a student and as a teacher, that if I'm scared, I, I'm, I'm so focused on being scared that, you know, I'm not really listening or grasping, right. you know, the information that's there. But when you're laughing, all of those barriers ha have lowered. And so not only do you receive that information, but you retain it because it, it's connected with that, that uh, good feeling. And because it was humorous, they wanted to see that same film over again, <laughs> you know? And, and so uh, Walt, as he usually was, w was right. P putting in just enough humor in there uh, was enough that that uh, uh, this uh, uh, made it work. Can we take a so, quick commercial uh, break and we'll be mm -hmm. right back? Awesome. Sure. Have you heard about Anchor? If not, let me introduce you. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And you can make money with your podcast with no minimum listenership. Whether you have 10 listeners or 10,000 listeners, Anchor will find you sponsors. It's really everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. See you on the other side. Welcome back to Monorail News and Magic Time. We are with Jim Corcus still. We're going to continue our conversation about World War II and Disney. And, and, and Jim Corcus, who, who just can't stop talking. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, and, 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 and again, you know, one of the, the questions I often get from people is, well, they did, you know, hundreds of these uh, uh, training films. Why, why can't uh, we see them? And, and all because it was classified material. Even Disney does not have a complete list of all the films they made, because after the film was made, the military would come in and they would take all the material, the layouts, the cells, uh, the finished film, all the, it, it, even the story notes, they would 
burn the story notes for the film. So there was no paper trail no. at all. As to, you know, it, it, it was only the memories of, of people who had, who had worked on these things or they were working on so, so many of these things. Uh, one of the things that uh, Harry Tuttle told me, uh, Harry Tuttle was a uh, uh, Disney producer and uh, he later worked on the wonderful world of Disney and, uh, you know, it came up with ideas for certain films and all that. But in World War II, he, he worked there at, at the studio. And um, one of the things that, uh, for his producing uh, duties was working on some of these films. And Walt wanted to know, you know, well, what is the reaction from the servicemen seeing this film? And so uh, Title found out that uh, down in San Diego, there was a naval training base that was going to be showing one of these films. Right. And so he went through all the proper channels uh, to request that, that he... And the director of the film could go down and just watch the audience watching the film. Right. And he was told, absolutely not. He said, this is top secret. That no film doesn't exist. What are you talking and about? Said, you never worked on that film. We worked on it. No, you didn't. That, that, that film was that never did. made. Uh, yeah. And, and and so, you know, and, and again, a, a lot of these uh, uh, films would be... Uh, uh, very uh, 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 boring, you know, for uh, for audiences. You know, it, it it it's like you know, if your wings start to ice up, you know, what what should you right. do? Uh, high precision bombing. What do you do when there's uh, uh, fog? You know, uh, uh, how how do you use this uh, uh, torpedo? Uh, 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 tracking device, uh, things like that. Um, but, but yeah, no, he, even to this day, the, the Disney company does not have a complete list of this. And, and, uh, some have, uh, a, a handful, maybe a dozen have, have creeped out from, uh, private collections and all that. So, you might be able to find some of those on YouTube, but again, after you've seen one or two, you go. I, I get don't what need it says. See the other two hundred or so. <laughs> and 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 some uh, aren't shown uh, because they're um, outdated. You know, when when people uh, talk about um, uh, Disney feature films, you know, I, I've had people come up to me and say, "Well, you know." I've seen every Disney, uh, you know, animated feature film. And I said, really? Uh, tell me how you enjoyed Victory Through Air Power. <laughs> no one's watched that one. And, and they go, what? I, I, I said, yeah, that, that was a feature film released by Disney in 1943. What? Yeah, my favorite anime. And, and I said, hey, and, and, and I said, you know, but I bet you have seen some of it. And they go, I've, I've never heard of that in my entire life. Well, uh, basically what there was, was there was a major who, who came up with the idea that what would win the war was, um, you know, uh, the strategic use of uh, uh, airplanes, you know, it, it, especially for long-range bombing. And uh, he wrote a book about it called Victory Through Air Power. Walt read it. It made sense to him. And he said, we need to make a uh, film about this. 
because most people will not sit down and uh, uh, read a book, but they'll watch a film. We, we need to make a, a, a film out of this to, uh, you know, help people understand this. And Walt was taking a huge, huge risk because, um, you know, the rest of the armed forces, you know, uh, didn't want, you know, uh, anybody uh, promoting using uh, uh, aircraft. It, it, the, the Navy, the Navy was, uh, um, you know, Walt's uh, biggest uh, military client, and they aggressively tried to talk Walt out of making the film because they felt that battleships would win the war, right. not, not aircraft. And so Walt, uh, you know, uh, made, made this feature film, and it starts with an animated segment on the history of aviation. And so I tell people, hey, you've seen part of Victory Through Air Power because uh, the, the history of aviation, that wasn't really related to, uh, you know, uh, World War II. It, it's, you know, how did airplanes develop and, right. and things like that. So it was used on uh, the Disney television show Man in Flight. Right. And and then for those people uh, who went to Disneyland uh, to see uh, the uh, Circarama film when uh, the Circle Vision 360 film went when it was sponsored by uh, the airline. Uh, right. The pre-show had, had a clip of that. So you saw that. And then it went into live action of the major talking it. about that. Yes. And uh, then um, then there, there was also occasionally animation in there. So, for instance, at one thing to, to, to show uh, uh, the effectiveness of uh, uh, using aircraft, uh, there was an animated segment where there's this uh, Japanese octopus and its tentacles are, you know, uh, reaching out and, you know, grabbing more and, and more land and, you know, expanding right. and, and all that. And the American Eagle comes in, representing aircraft, and attacks the uh, uh, octopus, and it and and it withdraws and is defeated, and 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 actually that inspired an animated segment in one of my favorite Disney anime Disney feature films of all time, The Rocketeer. Yes, <laughs> they, they actually recreated that scene because. Um, uh, the uh, director of that film was so in love with that image because it was so effective and, and all of that that he had animators recreate that image and use it uh, in in the uh, uh, Rocketeer, you know. And yeah, the story, in, the, the film was the film was so effective that Prime Minister Winston Churchill so, saw it. I was just and, about to say this. Uh, he and he asked Disney to send a copy by fighter jet uh, to the Quebec conference in 1943 so that uh, Churchill could show it uh, to President Franklin D. Roosevelt. When Roosevelt saw it, he had the film shown to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And that influenced, you know, uh, American air strategy, you know, for the, the rest of the war. Um, but you know what happened there? We, we talk about Walt Getting into debt, the film lost almost half a million dollars. 
you know, I, I just imagine in my head, like, these joint tooth and stats. What are we doing today? Oh, we're going to watch Walt Disney tell us how to do our jobs. Uh, you know, uh, well, you know, Walt was always uh, underestimated. You know, in, in fact, you know, we're celebrating this year um, uh, the Apollo Eleven uh, moon landing, yes. and, I, and I always tell people that Walt got there before the United States did. You know, with the uh, Tomorrowland TV shows in the, in, in the nineteen fifties, and and the first one, Man in Space. You know. When it uh, uh, ran in 1955 on on uh, TV, people just went, you know, crazy. Because, again, just like Victory Through Air Power, Walt went to the experts. So he had Werner von Braun and Willie Lay and Heinz Haber and, and, and all of this. And so it wasn't science fiction. It was science factual. And so newspapers said, hey, the United States should give the space program to, to Walt Disney because he has a vision and he has a plan. And, and in fact, President Eisenhower asked um, for a copy of it, and a copy was sent to Washington for him to see. And then um, Eisenhower showed that uh, hour-long episode to his Joint Chiefs of Staff, and just a couple of months later, Eisenhower announces, America is going to send a satellite into orbit. And I imagine and those Joint Chiefs of Staff said the exact same thing the Joint Chiefs of Staff said in the 40s. We're going to listen to Walt Disney tell us how to do our job. Well, well you know, a, a funny story connected with that. You know, uh, when there was the moon landing, uh, reporters, you know, talked to uh, Werner von Braun, who was then the director of NASA. And they said, my gosh, you know, you're the only person who could have gotten people you know, to the moon and, and all of that, you know, you're, you're obviously a, a, a genius. Uh, who is the smartest man that you ever met? And Werner von Braun said, well, Walt Disney. And they all laughed. Oh yeah. Ha ha ha. Mickey Mouse and all this. This is obviously a gag. And, and Werner von Braun said, no, no, you don't understand. When I was working, you know, with, with Mr. Disney, you know, on these, um, uh, uh, Tomorrowland shows uh, you know he had not graduated high school so when he was asking questions I couldn't rely on technological terms or whatever I had to to simplify it and by simplifying it it helped me to focus clearly on on what that concept was so now I could really understand what the the problems were in all this and he said Walt Disney asked me questions that people at NASA still haven't asked me, you know, a decade and a half later. Um, so yeah, Walt, Walt was, was always uh, 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 underestimated uh, on on these uh, things, you know. And, and we talk about Walt uh, volunteering uh, things. Uh, Walt, uh, for free, did insignias. Uh, for uh, military outfits and also for um, uh, outfits on the uh, home front, like air, air raid warrants. And, all. and by the way, the staff that remained at the Disney studio, they volunteered. They volunteered, uh, you know, at the Red Cross. They volunteered as air raid warren, wardens, uh, you know, they, everything they could. So, so they were doing that. Well, you know, each military 
unit has has a, an insignia. You know, this goes back to the the knights in in medieval time. You know, that that would have a herald. You know, on their shield or right. or on their helmet, so that they would be identified. Because you know, when you see a knight on the film on the field, you don't know. You know. Is that one of my buddies or <laughs> one of the enemies? So, right. So you're looking for that emblem to, to do that. And so that's where insignias came from. And so, uh, you know, uh, the very first uh, uh, insignia was for the uh, Flying Tigers, uh, you know, and uh, then word got around. And so Walt got flooded. Uh, again, they didn't keep accurate records, but to the best of their ability, they know that over... Uh, 1,200 military insignias were created. And uh, Roy Disney estimated that each insignia cost the studio, uh, that's in terms of, of material, in terms of time, in terms of labor, uh, at least $35 per insignia. So we're talking about thirty-five dollars to $40,000 <laughs> that Disney has just given away free and, and Walt says, we need to do it for, the, for uh, some of these boys, you know, grew up watching Mickey Mouse, you know, I, I, I owe this to them. And, and some of those insignias lasted, you know, uh, for decades uh, uh, afterwards, you know, and uh, there's a, a, a book or two out that, that features some of them. They were on uh, matchbook uh, uh, covers. I, I talk about matchbook covers and, it's hard to believe that in the forties, everybody smoked <laughs> today, you know, if, if somebody lights up, you know, uh, they get this dirty look. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and some of the insignias were, were printed on the backs of, uh, uh, Disney comic books and, and things like this, you know, so that kids could collect them. Right. You know? Right. And, and, uh, you know, so, you know, it, it's just amazing. Walt set set up a, a separate uh, um, department of about uh, six artists. Hank Porter was was in charge, so that they could just turn these things out. And uh, uh, again, j just incredible. And uh, uh, again, these these other Disney artists, besides working on the training films and and all this, on their free time, would work on uh, uh, posters and manuals and uh, 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 promotional things, you know? And, and of course, the, the signature on every piece of artwork was Disney. So uh, I, I, I remember uh, uh, artist Bill Justice, when I interviewed him, he, uh, and I was interviewing him by somebody, he says, well, I'm, I'm happy that you realize I'm the one who, who did, you know, <laughs> uh, such and such, he said, because when I was working at the studio, people thought Walt drew every single thing and every comic strip. And uh, when he had free time, he took some nails and a hammer and went down and built Disneyland all by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, it's because Walt was, was establishing the Disney brand. brand right. You know? And, 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 and uh, yeah, I, uh, Marty Scalar said one time, Walt looked at me and said, I'm not even Walt Disney anymore. You know, Walt Disney is something beyond me. He right. said, you know, uh, the Walt Disney that is out there doesn't smoke, doesn't drink. I do those things, you right. know. And, 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 and he did, you know, mild swearing. There, there, there were mild like about swearing. five or six swear words that, you know, he had grown up in the Midwest. And, and again, 
he heard when he was uh, uh, overseas in in France. You know, he he, he picked up uh, you know it, it, it word that began with S and you know all <laughs> of this and. And and so today these would be considered very very mild, but Walt, you know, and Walt made sure never to use that kind of language around right. uh, kids or around women, you know. Right, right. Uh, and and then the sad thing about you know Walt uh, being connected with the military overseas during World War One, that's where he picked up the habit of smoking. Right, <laughs> which is unfortunate. He didn't smoke before then, but but again in those days. Um, Everyone smoked. Cigarette companies would uh, have free cigarettes in the ration packs. Nine out of ten doctors recommend you smoke camel cigarettes. Camel right, cigarettes, so the healthiest smooth. cigarette, yeah, and, and and all this, and it'll calm your calm your nerves, and and all this, and and, and of course, when you're in a, a, a military uh, a situation, even after the war is over, you know there there's that tension in the background, so. So you go through these long periods of boredom where you're not doing anything, and then suddenly there's this intense period of, right. you know, uh, a- activity or anxiety or whatever, and so people just started, uh, as, you know, that, right. that's how in World War II people got hooked on Coca-Cola is because Coca-Cola would just send Coca-Cola over, you know, for free. I'm and so when Coke people came now. back, they, they had just been so used to Coca-Cola, they kept ordering Coca-Cola, you know, ra- rather than any of these other uh, uh, soft drinks that uh, that were uh, out there. And, Coke, and, share you know, happiness. Uh, yeah, and World War II is why um, M&Ms were invented. Yes, they wanted the uh, the chocolate that wouldn't melt. Right. Melts in your mouth, not in your, your hands. hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, because originally they were, they had Hershey bars, and the Hershey bars would would melt, and they, you know, melt over everything else in the, right. in the ration box or whatever. But M and M's melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Which, as someone who's from Mississippi, I can tell you that's not always the case. I, I I believe it. I believe it because because as a kid, I tried everything I could to try and see if I could get M and M's to melt in my hand, and and they will. They, the they trick will is to live somewhere it, where it's a hundred degrees. Yes, yes. And and as we go into global warming, they're going to have to come up uh, with super strength M and M's. Yes, yes. <laughs> to 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 survive. To survive um, all of this. So, uh, have have you seen any of the uh, uh, Disney wartime uh, cartoons? They did yes. release a Disney treasure set. Yes, you know my favorite bit, maybe of any Disney cartoon, is in Defuro's face when Donald is working in the uh, munitions factory, and somebody comes over the PA system and goes, "Congratulations, you have been granted vacation." And, uh, and like a giant, mm-hmm. and a giant background falls down of the Swiss right. Alps, and he's like, "Look at the beauty, the majesty. Gotta, gotta keep your body strong for the Fuhrer. Exercise." Yeah, uh, really, re- pretty good. And then the back, it was. The it, 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 is it, over. it was the, the the whole point was was to show that uh, how under um, a Nazi regime, uh, uh, people didn't have any freedom. You know. Any personal freedom, they, they, it, it was all uh, very ordered, and uh, you had to fit in 
uh, to a, uh, uh, a particular, uh, 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 mold, you know, uh, for that, uh, uh, to happen. And, and, and that cartoon, by the way, was written by, uh, uh, Dick Humor and, and Joe Grant, who also had done, uh, Dumbo, you know? Really? And, uh, yes. So, and, and so, you know, when you work at Disney, you wear many different hats. You go into, uh, lots of, um, you know, uh, uh, different roles. And, uh, I, I talked with Joe Grant cause Joe Grant was still around when they were doing things like Pocahontas. He was the one who came up with the designs for, um, Pocahontas's animals. And, and in fact, he had come up for a design for one animal, uh, that they had to get rid of. It was a turkey that huh. was going to be, uh, Pocahontas's friend, a talking turkey, and the voice was going to be John Candy. But then John Candy passed away. Right. And then they de- then they decided we don't want to have the animals talk because they, we want this to seem, you know, more realistic. So they they came up with with uh, other animals, and and so Joe Grant was around for like forever. But but yeah, he. he uh, and in fact, he and Dick Humor uh, uh, designed a um, uh, uh, a uh, World War II cartoon that never got made. It's called Square World, where every and again, this is you know under the Nazi regime, everybody has to conform, and so right. everything is square, including people. Right. People get pressed into a square shape. You know, uh, uh, for for this to to happen. So, you know, there there were a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, different uh, uh, films proposed. You know, during World War II that never got made. One of them was a how-to Goofy film, How to Be a Commando. So, if you can imagine Goofy trying to be a commando, it it would have probably been hilarious. But again, Walt didn't have the staff. He didn't have you know the time. Uh, to do this, and because he was doing all of these training films, um, rationing, of course, was going on. These were considered such high priority that uh, uh, rationing was was cut for the, the Disney Studios so that they could get the material uh, that they needed. Right. You know, for for cells, for film, for for whatever, uh, in order to make these, because these were considered. Uh, vital, uh, not only to morale, but also for, um, uh, uh, training purposes. And, uh, so that's how, you know, uh, uh, Walt, you know, tried his best to, uh, uh, contribute, uh, to the uh, one time card Walker, card Walker, who later became, uh, you know, CEO of the Disney company after, uh, uh, Roy Disney, uh, Roy O. Disney passed away. Uh, Card Walker w- was working at the studio and he came in and told Walt that he had signed up and, and Walt tried to talk him out of it because Walker was, was vital, you know, to the production process. And then finally Walt and Card said that Walt looked at him and he said, you're a lucky guy. I, I, I wish I could go along with you. And so Card went off off to war. You know, a, a lot of times we don't realize um, 
how patriotic right. people were during World War II, that they were that they were willing to sacrifice, right? You know, personal sacrifice because you know it was a very clear enemy. It was a very clear that the enemy was was evil. You know, and, right. and it was very clear that only by us all working uh, together uh, that we could. Uh, you know, get this worked out. You, you know, during the war, they developed a, uh, there's photos of Wolf uh, standing with a Mickey Mouse gas mask. Yes. Because, because people were afraid of gas attacks and children didn't want to put on the mask because it, it's, it, it's very confining. And, and you look at somebody else in, in a gas mask, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of frightening. So for kids, they designed a Mickey Mouse, a sun rubber ditch a Mickey Mouse gas mask. So people can Google this and they can find all sorts of, of uh, pictures. So yeah, it, it has ears and, and all of that. I, I bet people today would wear those gas masks <laughs> out, in, out in the Los Angeles smog or, you know, uh, during fires or, or, or whatever. But, um, you know, it, uh, uh, the Disney studio has just touched so much of, uh, uh, American culture, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, when Disneyland opened, one, one of the first things that Walt insisted on was that, uh, active military and their families should get into Disneyland at a sizable discount. Right. And, and so, so, you know, uh, he, he arranged that, that, you know, they didn't go to the, uh, uh, Ticket kiosks. I remember there, there was uh, uh, it was uh, guest relations, and and they got a, a special ticket and uh, admission ticket and uh, some free tickets for for the attraction. Wanted to, yeah, and, and and boy, in those days, that was like what? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, because again, Walt wanted to always um, uh, pay back. You know, uh, for the, uh, the sacrifice and for the for the heroism, and and his two older brothers in World War One, um, Herbert and Raymond, uh, were part of the uh, American uh, Expeditionary Forces, which later developed into the uh, Army, U.S. Army. But in World War One, they were called the American Expeditionary Forces, which which again is another reason why his parents didn't want him to go. Right. Is that his three older brothers were already serving. Right. You right. Know, uh, uh, for, for crying out loud, you know. Um, but Walt, it, it was like, no. And, and in fact, uh, uh, his daughter, Diane, Diane Disney Miller, uh, it told me that uh, one time she was uh, talking to him about his time in France, and he said, boy, you know, being over there, I just really matured, and uh, you know, I, I'm sorry that we have to send send young kids into the service, but if we do, we should send them in even younger because it, it, it's a way that will really help you uh, mature. He, he said in the in the 11 months I, I was there, I got a lifetime uh, of experience, and uh, he, he he probably did, and and. That always remembered that, always, uh, uh, you know, uh, kept that in his mind and uh, did that. But, but again, I, I also think that it, it was 
uh, interesting that in the Disney films, they really, uh, there was twice, I think, where they caricatured uh, Hitler. And, and even then, it wasn't as extreme as uh, it was in, for instance, uh, the Warner Brothers cartoon. You know, uh, Walt, Walt always saw this as uh, what we're battling against is we're battling against a political philosophy. We're not battling against the people, right? you know, uh, who uh, uh, were involved. You know, and, and, and again, you know, it becomes a very uh, touchy subject. Uh, uh, the American Adventure at uh, uh, Epcot, uh, there's a... I love uh, the American Adventure. Yeah, there's a scene where you've got uh, the people on the front porch and they hear about the attack on Pearl yes. Harbor, but you notice they don't mention the Japanese. Right. The, the, the announcement fades out before, you before know. Before you can hear from Japan, who's right next door. Yeah. Right? Japan right. is literally the next door. Right. And, and, and so it, it, it's like, we hope you guys read your history book so you know what, you know. What what is out there? What 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 all right. this uh, is is about? And um, yeah, no, no. They, they, oh my gosh, this has been just such great fun talking about Walt and and World War Two because I, I think um, we have a tendency to forget history, you know, or or, or it just comes down to uh, uh, dates, or right. in, in the case of World War Two, you know, battles you know, or maybe the name of a general or something like that. But there, there were so many other people who were um, involved in, uh, you know, uh, supporting, right. uh, you know, it, it, everything that, that, that was going on. And and Disney certainly was, you know, Disney comic books had, uh, had patriotic uh, uh, covers. There were, uh, you know, uh, Disney did um, uh, uh, promotions to buy uh, war bonds or for kids to buy uh, war stamps. You know, it, it, it was almost like a, a green stamp book or, or, or whatever where, you know, you, you'd buy a stamp for something like a dime or whatever and you place those stamps in the book and then when you had enough stamps, you could turn it in for a war bond, a dollar war bond. And, um, you know, by golly, but again, a, a lot of this has, has just been, uh, lost and, uh, forgotten. And, uh, you know, one of the things we never got a chance to talk about, it was the unmade animated feature film that Walt was going to make during the war. It was based on the very first children's book written by Roland Dahl who, you know, later went on to right, do really Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and, and so many of those others. He wrote a book because he, uh, Roland Dahl was uh, a uh, uh, RAF pilot who had gotten yes. shot down. And, and while he was recovering, he wrote this book about gremlins. Yes. Because the RAF, the Royal Air Force, had this mythology that if something went wrong with your airplane, it was gremlins. gremlins were causing it. If, if there were holes in your fuselage, gremlins. It, it really wasn't machine gun fire. It was, it gremlins. was gremlins had taken a little drill and drilled holes, you know. And and Walt was uh, uh, just um, uh, entranced with this, and so was going to make a uh, uh, feature film. And 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 in fact, 
so elaborate. I, I've even written a book about it. It's called uh, Gremlin Trouble, uh, the cursed Roland Dahl film Disney never made. 150 pages, and I went through as many documents as I could, and re- this even includes, uh, you know, from Dahl uh, archives and, and all this, so we get the, the entire story. And this was going to be an elaborate animated film. Then it was going to be live action combined with animation. So you'd have live planes and live pilots, but then you'd have the animated gremlin. And then it was going to be a a, a series of animated shorts. Um, And uh, Disney even created a, a specific gremlin, Gremlin Gus. Because you couldn't copyright gremlins because everybody knew what gremlins right. were. But if you had Disney gremlins, right, then that's... You know, it, it's just like the dwarfs. Every version of Snow White has, has dwarfs, dwarfs. But only Disney has Disney seven dwarfs. Disney has Grumpy and Dopey and, and all of those are the Disney dwarfs. And so um, uh, basically what, what killed the film was, you know, there were so many approvals that had to be done through the... Uh, uh, RAS because they were worried about how this was going to be presented. And right, right. And, and and so Walt liked to do things himself. He never liked other people telling him what he could do and what he could not do. And also the fact Walt saw that, you know, the war was coming to an end and it takes about, you know, uh, two and a half, three, three years, years to, to make an a movie, feature. right. And by the time they did that, the war would be over. Right. And in, and in addition, other other uh, uh, studios were doing gremlin things. The Warner Brothers, right. uh, Bob Clampett did two uh, animated cartoons about gremlins, you know, and, and so that pretty much killed it. Although, Put it into it, right. Disney kept coming back and, and looking at it, you know, Gremlin Gus and the gremlins pop up in the, the video game, Epic Mickey. I was about to say you know, that. I loved that game. That game was Good fun. Yep, and and and, and so and the people who designed that love the the the, uh, the story of the the Disney uh, uh, Gremlins. Uh, you know, Walt Kelly, who did uh, Pogo, did uh, some uh, comic book stories of the Gremlins that appeared in Walt Disney's uh, comics and stories. At one time, they were considering doing the Gremlins uh, as a animated series for the Disney Afternoon block. But Jeffrey Katzenberg got a memo from legal that said, you know, because of the Joe Dante film out there, Gremlins, you know, we might not be able to use the name Gremlins in the title. Right. You know, which which would be, you know, a deal breaker, uh, a, a, a problem. And um, uh, Dark Horse Comics uh, tried to re- revive it as a comic book series. And they also reprinted uh, Doll's book. Which, which is great. So you can go on Amazon and get a copy of uh, Gremlins by Roland Dahl, which is his very first book. And he does not own the rights to it, which is why it was the only Dahl book that had never been reprinted. Huh. So, uh, so Dark Horse reprinted a copy because original copies, because during World War II, uh, there was a uh, paper shortage. Right. You know? And so, you know, only a, a, a few copies, and again, since it was considered a children's book, little kids would get it and, you know, tear pages or take a pencil or crayon and color in pictures and things like that. And uh, the artwork's done by uh, Bill Justice, who, uh, you know, most people know as the main animator on, on uh, Chip and Dale and 
and also uh, a lot of the Donald Duck stuff. And, and uh, Justice, of course, was uh, uh, also became an Imagineer and uh, came up with Mickey Mouse Review. Really? I, I think we've run out of time. I mean, that's so interesting, right? We could do a whole other episode, and we'll have to do it, about mm-hmm. unmade Disney films. Right, and Absolutely. I think that's just as fascinating as unmade well, Disneyland. Especially if your listeners go out and pick up a copy of Disney Neverland uh, from uh, uh, Amazon.com and uh, look for Jim Corkis, K-O-R-K-I-S. Jim, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, as it always is. Everyone, go out and get Jim's book. I would say buy all of his books, but if you have to pick, Disney Neverland looks like the one to get right now. Um, and, and once you buy one, you'll get addicted, and I hope you'll invite me back on the monorail again. It's like heroin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good heroin. Um... Thank or you. sugar, or sugar, sugar. Yes, like it's much sugar. better. Like much better. Sugar, yes, sugar. Yes, sugar, okay. sugar. <laughs> Alrighty, everyone, y'all have a fantastic weekend and enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next Saturday. Bye bye.